we welcome you to the REST podcast. The messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past REST conferences. We pray that God will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord and your ministry for Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Stay with me through this introduction today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Over in verse 28, it says, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues, and it begins to list all these other things. Now, of course, verse 31 tells us to covet earnestly the best gifts and uh, speaking mainly, I believe, of charity, that next chapter speaking about charity. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask you to use me this morning to be a blessing. Pray that you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I realize that I am nothing. I don't just say that lightly. The many preachers in here are certainly more experienced, more knowledgeable, and better at it altogether than I am. But you have seen fit to let me have the opportunity to try to be a blessing today, and I pray you'd use me to do that. Lord, remove all the hindrances, anything that might stand in the way of the Holy Ghost working in this service, we pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Many years ago, I was preaching at a meeting in Montana, and uh, Brother Tommy Steele was asked to preach in that same meeting. Some of you may know Brother Tommy, and uh, in that meeting, he made a statement, and I believe you preachers at least will... Uh, understand what I'm saying is a guy will be preaching a whole message, but he makes one statement that grabs you. And uh, then we grab our pen, and we don't know what he said the whole rest of the day because God's talking to us on that statement. And that's what happened in that message. He made a statement early in his message, and then he went on and preached some other stuff, but I, my heart was arrested on the statement. And here was the statement. The statement was the birthing place of this message. He said this, There's a difference between spiritual gifts and spirituality. And so I began to ponder on that. Some of you have heard messages on that, no doubt. But I started dwelling on it, thinking about it, and God began to work in my heart. And I actually preached a message the very next week at our teen camp back home to our young people about that. And it has grown since then. And so I want to just share some thoughts with you about that idea that there's a difference between spiritual gifts and spirituality. I believe now that this has been in my heart for a while, that it is, it is a trap by Satan for people who have a heart to be busy for God. Okay, I believe it is one of his devices, and we're not supposed to be ignorant of his devices. And hopefully I can just expose one. I believe God gave me this message twofold for myself. One, so I wouldn't fall into the trap, hopefully. And two, so that it would help me understand some things about my own past and some people in my past that still had me confused at that time. And so I want to share it with you now. As we read in the text here, this church at Corinth was a tremendously blessed church with spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, uh, if you look back in chapter 1, verse 7, the apostle says, ye come behind in no gift. That's what he told them. He said, when I look at your church, he said, you're not behind anybody in the gifted area. And so that means if you would have gone to their church, their, their music would have been just perfect. Uh, their musicians would have been extremely gifted musicians. Their singers would have been gifted singers. Their Sunday school teacher would have been captivating in his ability. The preaching would have been unbelievably a gifted preacher. And if you were vacationing in that town and went to that church, you would have left saying, this is an amazing church. Paul's saying you come out and no gift. But if you want to look at chapter 3, just a couple of chapters later, 
<clears throat> chapter 1, he says, You come behind in no gift. In chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ, I fed you with milk, not with meat. Hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. Then he begins to list some of the attributes of a carnal Christian or a carnal church in verses 3 and 4. And so the idea is this. They were extremely spiritually gifted. And listen, you would have got a blessing from that. You would have been blessed by their gifts and them using them for God. You would have left blessed. But if you moved there and joined the church, if you, if you vacationed, you would have been impressed and blessed. But if you moved there and you joined the church in a few months, you would have been like, something's wrong here. You would have been like, there's just a little something off. And that's what the Apostle Paul is alluding to here, that they are very gifted, but they were very carnal. They were not spiritual. And so there is a difference between spiritually gifted and spiritual. Let me give you some things on that. Number one, the declaration articulated. Let me explain what I mean. The declaration articulated. Well, you've got to understand the two parts, and I don't claim to be a scholar in any way, but I believe we can just review here very quickly some simple things. <clears throat> First of all, what are we talking about when we say spiritual gifts? Now, people get a little nervous, and to be honest with you, sometimes independent Baptists, we don't even want to talk about it. And it's because it has been misused and abused, but spiritual gifts, we know some, the gifts of the apostles, the sign gifts, they are no longer available. The gift of prophecy, nobody's telling the future like the prophets could do in those days. The gift of healing, many hen cannot slap you in the head and take away your cancer. He can slap you in the head, but he's not going to heal you when he does. If he breathes on you, you might pass out, but not because of the Spirit of God. It might be because of his breath or something. Gifts of tongues, we understand what we believe about these, but here's the problem. Because we know those are no longer, no longer available, we sometimes get afraid to talk about gifts that are available. And we sometimes are afraid somebody's going to think we're charismatic, so we just avoid it altogether. But there are still spiritual gifts, uh, things that God is gifting people to do in order to help do His work. Here's the way I would define it just for our message this morning. Spiritual gifts are abilities given by God that can be used in His work and for His glory. Abilities given by God that can be used in His work and for His glory. We're not going to turn to it, but in Romans 12, it lists some things. It talks about the gifts of ministry. You know what that is? Serving. You say, but preacher, we're all supposed to be servants, and you're exactly right. And by the way, you can do these things with the help of God, even if you're not gifted in them. We understand that the Spirit of God can overwhelm a lack of giftedness. Everybody understand me? We understand that. I remember a young preacher boy coming to me one time, and he had been put with me on the bus route before I was pastor, and <clears throat> he was very introverted. He had some social anxieties and different things, and he came and he got fired up at a youth rally and wanted to live for God. <clears throat> bus director said, Brother Tony, can he be your helper on the bus route? I said, sure, I'll bust him out of this jail. His mama says I broke him, praise God. But <clears throat> he started riding with me, getting stirred up. We'd have a good time. And we'd stop every week at this little store and buy the candy, and he would buy a big pack of Big League Chew bubble gum. I don't know if y'all know what that is, but it's mimicking chewing tobacco, and you know, it's a bad influence, whatever. He was having a good time. So <laughs> he'd take the whole pouch out and put it in his mouth. <laughs> he'd be over there just having time. Every Saturday we'd stop. We'd have a great time. And then we had, this, uh, we had a youth route, and he gave his whole life to God, and he came to me and said, I think maybe God's calling me to preach. And I'm going to tell you, he was, he was so... Uh, socially backward, I was scared about it. <clears throat> I began to think, now Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, you pray for my throat this morning. I began to think, Lord, if he gets up and tries this and it don't go good, he'll never try anything again. He just had that, he had that, I mean, he literally has anxiety. I remember a youth meeting one time we were all at, a youth choir, he wasn't speaking or anything. 
He just in the group and the church he didn't know. We ended up sitting in the van for a long time as he was having an anxiety attack. So he had legitimate reason for me to be concerned. And I remember thinking that. Then I also remember the first time he got behind a pulpit. I'm telling you, it was like a transformation. I'm not exaggerating. His mind was clear. He was articulate. Man, listen, walking down the school hall, he couldn't tie his shoes, tuck his shirt in. He couldn't do anything. He got behind a pulpit. It was unbelievable who he was. It was the evidence of the power of God. So what I'm telling you is I understand that gifts are not necessary to be very busy or very successful or very good for God. The Holy Ghost is what's necessary, the Spirit of the Lord helping us, and He can overrule a lack of giftedness. I get all that, but it doesn't change the fact that God gifts people with some abilities that He hopes and plans for them to use in His work. And the gift of serving, you say, but we're all supposed to be servants. Yes, we are. We should all be working at having a servant's heart. But haven't you just ever seen some young people that seem to have it? Haven't you ever seen some that when we're taking up tables and chairs, there's a bunch standing around that if you ask them, they're more than willing to help. But have you ever seen the few you never have to even ask? You say, what is that? Well, it's not your wicked flesh. It's something God has done in them. And so there's gifts. The Bible talks about the gifts of teaching. You know the best way to uh, know whether or not you believe in giftedness is sit around somebody that don't have one that's trying to do it. Come on. I remember before I became the pastor, they had a guy teaching like the 10, 11, 12-year-old or maybe nine, seven, eight, nine-year-old boys, 10, 11, 12, one of those, and they'd ask him to do it, to be honest with you. He was a deacon back in those days. And I'm sure what it was was they didn't have anybody. and They needed somebody, and they asked this faithful man, will you do it? Now, you know how they do. We preachers will say, look, will you just do this till we find somebody? <laughs> now, we ain't going to tell them that we're stopped looking. <laughs> Come on, 12 years later, they're still in there serving. <laughs> Boy, thank you. I just, ain't felt, mm, I just ain't felt the right person yet. <laughs> right? I'm certain that's how he got put in there. You know what I found out right before I became the pastor? My assistant pastor now was teaching the kids right below them. And he's amazing. Brother Matt's gifted at almost everything. And so his class was growing and growing and growing. And the reason we figured out it was growing is none of the kids would move up. And none of the parents wanted their kids to move up. You know what we found out? The guy in that class didn't like kids. Well, how brilliant is that, pastor? Hey, will you teach these children? Oh, by the way, you do like kids, right? Nope. Put him in there anyway. You know what? He doesn't have the gift for it. If you've ever sat under somebody trying to exercise something they don't have, uh, you'll realize, boy, I wish I was listening to somebody that did have it. Amen. The gifts of teaching is one. Some people are just natural. The gift of exhortation, you know what that is? That's motivation, encouraging. You ever been around those people? They just make you feel better. They just excite you. Have you ever been around the people that don't have it? The joy suckers, we call them. You come in feeling pretty good. You talk to them for four minutes. <laughs> the gift of giving, it says. Some people are gifted to just make money. God just helps them do it. And they're good at giving oftentimes in the work of the Lord. First Corinthians 12, 28 mentions the gift of helps in governments, government leadership. Some of you that have worked with young people have seen it through the years. One young person said, hey, how, how do we all go get pizza? Why don't we all go get pizza? And it's like he's speaking a foreign language. Nobody's moving. Nobody's nodding. Nobody's saying a good anything. And all of a sudden, another kid says, hey, why don't we all get pizza? And they just line up and follow him right out. You say, oh, that's just popularity. Not always. Some people are gifted leaders. Some people just have some things that God has put in them. By the way, he didn't give anybody any of those just so they could be popular or just so they could be famous 
or just so they could get wealthy from it. Every one of those was put in that person to be used in the work of the Lord in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the Bible in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians talks about wisdom and knowledge. A brilliant mind is a gift. Come on. We can all study, but it comes easier to some people. David Gibbs is a genius, see. He's not average. He's brilliant. And we, if, we, if you've been given that, I'm not going to say we because I didn't get that one. If you've been given that, God gave it to you. The ability to sing, the ability to play instruments. Now, you know anybody can study and probably learn a little bit. But how many of us have said, even the secular world will say this, oh, they're a prodigy. It just, here's what they'll say, it just comes, yeah. But see, we know better than that. It's not an accident, it just came, no, no, God did it. God gives some, but my, I have a nephew, he can play anything, just picks up anything, starts playing it. You know what that is? That's a gift. You know why God gave him that? He expects him to use it for him. And so there are gifts that God is still giving people. You know, sometimes humor is a gift. Have you ever seen people in the skits and, man, they're just great at it? And they can go from funny to serious and back and forth and everybody's just captivated? Have you ever been to a place that put a guy in one of those spots and he's not funny? Have you? I have. We have a youth rally. We have a skit guy. I believe he's very gifted. And some other church said, oh, we want to do a youth rally like y'all do it. And we do our skit like a three-part play. And they said, oh, we've got a guy. And uh, will you come and preach it and help us? And I'll be honest with you, I've sat in some of those places. And I'm laughing all right. I'm laughing and I'm going, oh, bless him. Bless him, Lord. Oh, bless him. Bless him. Y'all know the bless him, Lord, means he's dying up there. <laughs> Whoever asked that guy to do it did not have any discernment because he don't have the gift. And there ain't nothing worse than somebody trying to be funny that is not funny. Now, we laugh, but we're laughing at them. Y'all act like you don't, but I know you do. So spiritual gifts, any ability God gives somebody is, that is to be used in his work or for his glory, then how about spirituality? Well, we read in chapter 3, verse 1, he said, you're not spiritual, you're carnal. So that's the, that's the, you know, the contrast about spirituality. Now, listen to me. I'm going to define it today as your personal relationship with God. We'll use two parts, your personal devotions and your personal sanctification. Those two things. That's your spirituality, we'll say today. I know there's other things that could be added, but we don't have time to do all that. Now, here's the trick. Your spiritual gifts are seen by everybody. Everybody can see that kid who can play the piano just naturally gifted. We see sometimes working with young people that naturally gifted leader that have you ever seen the preacher boys get up and just one of them, man, he's just, he's not, he doesn't seem to be nervous. He doesn't seem to stammer. Now, again, anybody can overcome a lack of giftedness with the help of God. I'm not saying you have to have it to be effective in the work of God. I'm just saying they're there, and we've seen them in some places. So your spiritual gifts are seen by everybody, but listen, your spirituality is known only by you. Now, let me just go ahead and, you know, upset some of you right here. <clears throat> because sometimes we seem to think that we have the ability to discern everybody's spirituality. But the 11 apostles walked with Jesus, and they could not tell Judas was a fake. So I'm fairly sure I'm not as spiritual as the ones walking with the Lord. And I understand, you know, I understand there are some times that you can get perceptions. God may give you a nudge on something, but we got to be careful running around figuring out who we believe is really spiritual and who we believe is not because just think about yourself. And so sometimes people think we are when we know we're not right then. And so the declaration articulated, we've got to go quickly. 
for these last two thoughts. The situation illustrated, I'm going to turn to one. Look at Luke 6 very quickly, then I'll tell you two others in the Bible, and then I'll just share the practical application at the end. Luke chapter 6, I talk about this being a trap. Luke chapter 6, verse 13, if you'd look at it, I'm going to jump into it. And, it, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. Now, that's all the followers at that point. And then it says in verse 13, and, he, and of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. And so now he's going to pick his 12 apostles, and he begins to list their names. And at the end of verse, uh, at the end of verse 16, it says, Judas' brother James and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Luke chapter 6 says he takes that big crowd, and out of the big crowd he chooses 12, and he calls them apostles. Now look over in chapter 9, very quickly, Luke chapter 9. The Bible said in Luke chapter 9, and answer me here in just a minute when I ask you this question. Then he called his 12 disciples together. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Does that include Judas, yes or no? Absolutely. And he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The preaching here is listed with these other gifts, by the way. They were supernaturally gifted preachers, I believe we could agree. And he said unto them, take nothing for the journey. So he begins to give them the instructions about what he wants them to do. And so what I want to say to you is, if you'll notice verse 6, look at this. And they, they, is Judas in they? Yes or no? Yes, he is. And they departed, and we could say they went through the towns, and notice what they were doing. And they were preaching the gospel, and they were what? Does that include Judas? I believe so. It would appear so straight from the Scriptures. He's one of the twelve. The twelve are called. The twelve are all given the gifts, it says. If you'll notice the words here, the the twelve, plural, them, plural, they, plural. Judas was working with these other disciples in the ministry. He was gifted by God. Supernaturally gifted with the same gifts of the others. And my belief is this, that he went around using them. They went and preached and healed. You know what that means. And, and, you know, listen, another reason I believe that is because at the end of three years, the Lord Jesus is sitting at a table and he says, one of you will betray me. Now, listen, if 10 of us, or excuse me, if 11 of us have been preaching and healing and casting out devils and one has never done any of that, don't you think at least somebody would have said, Lord, let's quit messing around. It's probably Judas. He's the only one who ain't never done anything. He's never healed. He's never preached. He's never cast out a devil. He ain't never, it's got to be Judas. You know what? They didn't say that. As a matter of fact, all they kept saying was, is it I? Is it I? John didn't say, is it I? But John said, who is it? The reason he didn't say it was I, because he knew it wasn't him. He knew his heart toward God, the disciple whom Jesus loved. But he didn't know who it was. So much so that the Lord says, well, I'll give you a hint. To him who I give the sop. And he gives the sop to Judas. Now, Judas understood he got up and ran out, and the rest of them go, oh, he must be going to buy something. Isn't that right? Oh, because he holds the money, he must be going to buy something. The Lord sent him to buy something, he jumped up and ran out. No, no, they could not discern. You know why? Because he is one of them. And he was gifted like the rest. The Bible said when they were replacing him in Acts 1.17, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. That means there were people walking around saying, thank God for Judas. My girl was about to die, and Judas healed my daughter. Maybe they couldn't get to Peter. Maybe they couldn't get to James and John, the more famous ones. And so they just kept coming, and they find him saying, aren't you one of them? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm one of them. Can you do anything for my baby? And he exhibits the gift that God has given him. That girl's healed. They're going home saying, thank God for Judas. 
Very gifted. Very gifted. But you know what the Bible says about him in John? You know what Jesus said? See, he was the devil. He was never spiritual. So there's a different Samson. Let's be honest, fellas. If we were picking gifts, we'd want Samson's gift. Would you, would you rather be over here playing the guitar beautifully or over here picking up the piano with one arm? Now let's just be honest. Who y'all going to be looking at, by the way? If Brother Miller's over there playing the guitar and I'm bench pressing the piano, you ain't looking at Brother Miller. You're all going, whoa! So Samson had a cool gift, let's be honest. Very cool gift. By the way, so I don't know if that was a spiritual gift. Well, every time he needed it, it says the Spirit of the Lord came on him. But he was so carnal. Every time he saw a woman, he just ran after her. Saw a harlot, went in unto her. I believe we'd define that as not spiritual. Yeah, Samson. You say, preacher, how does that, how does that work with us? Well, you know, sometimes people will get up with a gifted voice and they'll sing a good song for God. You know what happens? We get a blessing. We get a blessing from it. I've talked to our youth choir about it. Sometimes they'll get up in the group and they'll sing and people will begin to cry, shout, go to the altar. We've had people get saved while they were singing. Only to find out later some of the ones that sang the verses had been living like the devil the week before. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I'll tell you, they're gifts. They use their gift in a right way and good things come from it. Just like Judas did. Just like Samson did. God used Samson to help defeat the Philistines. There were people running around saying, thank God for Samson. Well, we're glad we got Samson on our side. After they got over that initial, you know, you're causing us all this harm. They understood he was doing some good things. And so, you know, we live in the place here in the south where you got gospel radio stations all over the place. Sometimes you'll be going down the road and a good song come on and a beautiful voice is singing it. And you'll sit there and get a blessing from it. And you'll start thinking, man, I wonder who that was. See if I can find that. And then they tell you it was some secular artist that recorded a gospel CD. I don't know about you, I get mad. I get all mad. I get mad I got a blessing from that idiot that sang that song. You say, you must not be very spiritual. Well, I just think this. They got a gift that God gave them that he never intended for them to use that other way. And they finally used it in the right way, saying the right things, and good things can come from that, even if the person is carnal. That's the way it worked in Judas's life. That's the way it worked in Samson's life. By the way, when Moses smote that rock the last time, you think them people went home bragging on their man of God? Thank God for Moses. Our children were saved because Moses, every time we need something, God uses Moses. Moses is the most spiritual man we've ever seen, except right then he wasn't. So much so that God says, you're not going to the promised land, boy. You got mad, you lost your temper, you didn't believe in me. And so he was, he was spiritual. He had that gift, that rod, that rod of God, representing the power of God. He used that gift again, and good things happened. But he wasn't spiritual. And so you say, well, where's this going, preacher? Well, it's going right here, the destination if perpetuated. What's the big deal if good things are happening? Well, it doesn't end well. Because here, here's the deal. We get tricked by this. We get tricked by the fact that we use the gifts God's given us in the right way and good things happen. And we begin to justify our lack of spirituality and become dependent on the gift. You say, how does that happen? Well, you get deceived. That's letter A here under number three for taking notes. You get deceived. And we get deceived by the results. It goes like this, guys. Have you ever just got up one day and it was supposed to be a typical work day to use the pastoring in the ministry and you thought, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to do my praying when I get into the office at such and such a time. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this, this, this. And when I get to the office, I'm going to do my praying. And then before you ever got to the office, you got that call. 
from that family that's in distress. They're just, it's just fell apart, blew up, you got to go. It's Wednesday, by the way, it's church day. And you're planning to pray and then finish that message and get ready for Wednesday night. And, and then you get called to that house and it's a disaster. You have to go. And you think, well, I'll go over here and minister to them for a little while, then I'll get in the office. And it just gets longer and bigger and worse and worse and worse. And you finally show back up at the church. And it's time to preach. Now, you know what we can't do, fellas? The people won't let us do this. They won't let us get up in the pulpit and say, hey, listen, this is what happened today, and I didn't have a chance to pray, so if you don't care, I'm just not going to preach tonight. They just don't like that. And so here's what we do, and this is not wrong. Stay with me. This is not wrong. Here's what we do. We throw those emergency prayers up, and we say something like this, and we say, Lord, you know my heart, and you know what I was planning on doing today, and you know I fully intended to uh, pray and do all that. But God, you know that family called, and I just haven't had a chance to, and I'm so sorry. And we mean it, and God knows we mean it. And then we say something like this, Brother Paul, we'll say, Lord, will you please bless this message anyway? And will you use it? Will you not? I've said this, Lord, will you not hold it against them people that I had this day? And you'll get up and preach. And have you ever had after that somebody walk up with those tears in their eyes? And they'll begin to say something like this. They'll say, preacher, I don't know how you do it, but you just seem to know exactly what I need to hear. Well, that was exactly the message I needed. You know, God used you, and they're just so thankful. You know what they're doing? They're going home thinking you're so spiritual. And you know that on that particular day you were not. Now, see... Here, here's what that is. That's we got a merciful God. We got a great God. And God does understand that we're busy. And so he can help us in those moments. But then the old flesh kicks in. And the old flesh will say something like this. See, God understands. And by the way, he does understand every now and then. He does understand when that happens every now and then. But then it happens that the more busy we get, the more likely that is to happen. And God just keeps coming through. And you know what you're doing? You're getting up and you're exercising your gift and you're doing it in the right way and you're using the word of God and good things are happening. And your flesh will start saying, see, God understands how busy you are. He understands you ain't praying like you used to. You're not reading like you used to because you're doing a lot more than you used to be doing. You know, when you was, you know, when you was young and you wasn't the pastor, you could read more and you could pray more, but now God understands and we begin to get deceived by the fruit so, you know, I had a guy one time tell me that. This, by the way, this is part of how we can, we can watch a preacher in his ministry and it seems like amazing things are happening, and they are, by the way, only to find out later that for a large portion of that time he was in sin. Now, here's what we always used to say. We just used to always say the word of God will not turn void, return void, and that's true, but it's more than that. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So he's got a gift that God's given him, and that gift don't disappear because he got carnal. Samson's didn't. Come on. Moses still, the water still came out. And so what he does is he's using the word of God, which will not return void, and a gift God has given him, and he's using it in the right way, and good things are happening, and now all of a sudden he begins to justify his carnality by the good things that are happening. And I had a preacher one time that had fell into sin, and at one point, and finally he asked would I come meet with him. I took my father-in-law, who at that time was a deacon, and we went and met with him. And he began to debate with me because I said, well, I just, you know, I just don't feel like I can follow you right now and come and hear you preach and this, that, and the other. And he was arguing with me. He said, what about that meeting over there? And he talked about this, this meeting we had participated in with him and 70 people or so had gotten saved in a week. It was a jubilee. But listen, we had prayed and we had fasted. We had elementary kids with names on their desk praying every day about it, leading up to it. He said, what about that? Because we found out later he was fooling around while we were there. And still all them people got saved. You know what I said to him? 
I said, God wasn't going to let all them people go to hell just because you was fooling around. And I said, he wasn't going to ignore all the fasting and praying by all them other faithful people. Now listen, I'm not saying everything's going to happen regardless of your spirituality. No, the answer is we're supposed to be both. We're supposed to take our gifts that God has given us and use them in his work, but also be spiritual as best we can. What amazing things might have happened if we could combine the two. Wonder what Samson's story could have been if he wouldn't have been so carnal. We just got a couple more minutes, so first you get deceived. You know what happens, by the way, it starts with just this. Let's just get real. It starts with the simple lack of spiritual things. I'm not praying as much. I'm not reading as much. And I'm asking God to forgive me because I'm just busy for God. That's why I'm telling you, it's a trap for you. It's a trap for us that want to do something for God. But see, when we get deceived and we start seeing that God's okay with it, God's okay with it, our deceitful heart starts telling, then it might be an entrance of something wicked, not just an absence of something good. And the same thing happens. We'll jump up, and before we jump up, we say, Lord, I'm so sorry I did that. Please forgive me. Lord, I know better than that, and I don't want to be wicked, and I need your help. And God is a merciful God, and we'll get up and exercise that gift, and people will get help and come to the altar, and our heart might say, see, God understands. That's not as bad as you've been told. That's the problem. The problem is you get deceived, and then secondly, you become dependent on the gift. When Samson, excuse me, when she woke up Samson, you know what he didn't say? He didn't say, oh God, give me strength. No, he wasn't dependent on God anymore. He said, I will go out as before. You know what he was dependent on? That gift that had always been there. Listen, no matter how carnal he had been. And many times he would be, how about he's in that place because of his carnality and then he just rips the gate off and gets away. I mean, he would often be carnal right before he needed to exercise the gift and the gift had always been there. And so he had stopped depending on God and start depending on the gift. And let's be honest, we can do that. We know how to preach. We know, ladies, you know how to sing. You know how to play. You've done it a million times. I, I, I'm bad about, they'll say, preacher, do you care to play the piano and sing with the youth choir? And not even ask God what he wants us to sing. Just start picking songs. Well, you've done this before. Whoa, whoa. I remember when I was so afraid I'd do it all wrong that I was begging him for every little step of the way. And so what happens is we fall into this trap and we get deceived and then we get dependent on the gift and then it leads to destruction. For all of them, Judas, destruction. Samson, destruction. How about the church at Corinth? It didn't just keep going great for them because they were gifted. No, they ended up with so much sin in there, Paul said, we can't even talk about it. It's a trap, friends. And it's a trap for those of us that have a heart for God that want to do something for God. We just have to be careful that no matter how busy we get, we still take time to just try to be spiritual, to pray, to read, to do right as we can. You know, we've got our own, you know, you draw your lines where you want to draw them, but have some lines. Have some spirituality, have some... And look, don't let your heart deceive you into thinking, well, I mean, I, I know I was pretty bad, but look what happened. God blessed it, and that's what that man said to me. He said, what about that meeting? And all them people get saved. If God's upset with me, what about that meeting? And to be honest with you, in those days, I didn't have an answer for him. And then he went and started a church, and it just kept going great. It just, it still is. And I got all these young people saying, preacher, uh, so does it not matter? 
And one day I'm driving down the road and I see it and I realize and, and, and I thought I was over all my bitterness and feelings. I dealt with it for years. Every time I preach, I didn't even think I was bitter, but every time a preacher preached on it, I'd do whatever they said. I thought I was done with all that and I drove by and saw their new building. And my own deceitful heart said, he is so much better at building churches than you. And listen, he is. He could get up to this crowd today and talk us into running straight through that wall. We'd just all run straight through it for the glory of God. We just would. It's unbelievable. You ever met them people? By the way, do you know why they have that? God gave it to them to be used for His glory. And just because they get carnal doesn't mean He takes the gift. And if they'll keep using the gift in the right way with the right words and the right messages, good stuff still happens. Listen, Hitler was a gifted speaker. Hitler could convince a country to do atrocities and think they were doing it for all the right reasons. I don't believe that's why God gave him that ability. He's misused it. And to whom much is given, let's just ask God to help us to use all of our gifts for his glory, but to never get tricked by them or dependent on them or to the place that we're not personally spiritual. Thank you for listening. We hope that the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The REST Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. REST 2020 is scheduled for September 7th through 9th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to join us. For more information about REST, go to our website, therestconference.com.